What is up, good people? Welcome back to Holy Shit Pod, a holy, irreverent, irreverently holy conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. I'm your favorite host, the most reliable host, the Reverend Brandon T. Maxwell. And I'm Katie Rex, the second most reliable host whose internet is the least reliable. Also true. Also true. And I'm Natasha Sanders, the most reliable guest. Yes. <laughs> on the pod. But we're going to move you on up because it feels like you're becoming even more consistent than the Reverend Samuel Lee White III who is out today. I think he got intimidated last week. You know. Mm-mm. No, he didn't. He and his feelings. That's what it is. He'll be back next week though, y'all. And next week we'll have a full-length episode of church announcements catching up on all the things that have happened in the world since Thanksgiving. So today there will be no church announcements. It is a word of pod that is all about one of my formerly favorite liturgical seasons, Advent. Formally favorite? favorite? Brandon, really? Is that not a thing? I mean, it is because you just said it was, but why is it formally favorite? Well, we'll get into that in a second. We had a little... Oh, okay. Don't ask questions. The intro music has to fade. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, it's time to go back to the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for all the saints and the ain'ts. We missed you all last week, but we hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. We needed a break and thanks be to God we took it and we still need a little bit of a break. That's why today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter and only have a word of pod about one of my formerly favorite topics, Advent. (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying it. It's going to become a thing. And then you're not going to tell us why. You're just going to keep saying it. You're going to tell us why it's formerly favorite. Later, later, later. later. I'm just going to keep saying later until it's like the end of the episode. Um, How was y'all's Thanksgiving? Mine was really quiet. My daughter was in North Carolina with some friends and um, my mom, mom and I were just here and it was very quiet, very restful. It was nice. I mean, did you cook or anything? Did you have something special to eat? You know, so we, I mean, I cook some salmon because I'm a vegan. Good night. And um, <laughs> some sweet potatoes. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, because that sentence... Was that intentional? Yeah. It was. Okay, that was that sarcasm thing? It was a joke. It was sarcasm. Okay, But I did okay, make salmon. Okay. But we don't do the whole... I mean, when I was a kid, maybe we had all that fancy stuff. I know going to grandparents' house, but if I were going to have it, I would have pizza and beer and watch football all day. This is where lesbian connects with straight white guy. Natasha, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> And the church said, move on. Dot org. <laughs> Listen, that day was good. That day was good. I tend to cook too much for two people. Um, that is a little bit of an issue that I have. I will say that the celebration for us is a commemoration, right? So it's about family, uh, be, just being together in the same space. That being said, it was just my husband and I this year. Um, but, you know, I cooked a, little, cooked a little something for the people, ate a little bit for the people, and it was good. It was good. I tried it. I made a new cake, and it was divine. So we ate and slept. So you was cooking, cooking. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I cook, cook. Like, for real. In the kitchen. Started two days before. I love it. Yeah. Well, I ate, ate. I drove to Nashville to be with family. We don't really do Thanksgiving in our household. It's just a racist holiday, so why waste your time? I mean, I'm not judging anyone, but I'm just like, what are we celebrating here? Ultimately, it is about family and togetherness, but it still feels like we're being racist by not acknowledging the fact that this is the holiday where in Christopher Columbus killed a bunch of indigenous people. Oh, you are for real. And and gave gratitude for it with turkey and Mayflower sauce. And diseases. How was that for uh, 
little holiday history. Debbie Downer. I'm that person who comes to Thanksgiving like, God, we give you thanks for all the indigenous people whose lives were sacrificed. Absolutely. And we acknowledge mm-hmm. that you should, mm-hmm. that those people did mm-hmm. not have to die. May their remains be found and given proper burial. Come on. And may their descendants be repaired, restored, receive a little reparation yes. for the involuntary sacrifice of their ancestors. Yeah. So that's how my Thanksgiving went. Um, <laughs> We hope your Thanksgiving was equally um, interesting. We hope that your Thanksgiving was filled with paradoxes, joy, and laughter. Because the reality is that same racism that allowed white folks to come and colonize a country that they didn't own and that they never had inhabited before is the same sort of racism that exists today in the world. So why not have some turkey and cranberry sauce or tofurkey? Tofurkey. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I should. Maybe we can reorient Thanksgiving and talk about it as like a time to resist the impulses of individualism mm, and resist the well, impulses of capitalism yes. and racism and figure out ways to build greater solidarity with in our families and work through some of the crap like how do you affirm and love your same gender loving son or daughter right how do you uh embrace your child who has a child out of wedlock maybe that's what it's about right how do we offer gratitude for the fact that white supremacy still has not taken any of us out and we still here thriving and surviving needing to build stronger bonds of solidarity like that's a thanksgiving i can get into I agree. Talking about not participating in capitalism, right? Like not going shopping six o'clock Thanksgiving evening. Now, wait a damn minute. You slow down. No. I want my holiday sales to return because Black Friday was a bust this year. Everybody's like, we didn't make any money in the pandemic Lovato. <laughs> and so y'all gonna pay these full prices on this Black Friday. In addition to reclaiming Thanksgiving as a time of building solidarity across the lines that attempt to divide us, I would like to petition to change the name of Black Friday to White Friday because I'm Mm -hmm. tired of the blackness being cheap and the blackness being discounted. On Black Friday, it needs to be more expensive because it costs to be black. That took an interesting (laughs) turn. Because we're all the way in. Clearly. Right. He did. We don't have a script today, people. <laughs> Lord, receive him where he lay. You tried to kill my White Friday deals. They got to go. I know. You shouldn't shop at all. It's going to be a thing. White Friday. Mm-mm. I want it. Capitalism. So maybe this is a point of synergy, Natasha. Maybe White Friday can be a time where in white people pay doubles for things and everybody who's black or a person of color to resist the impulses of capitalism that profits off of our backs. We get shit for free. Come on, scaled living. What? Come on, scales. The scales of justice. Yes. Come on, scales. Come on, pay according to what you have. Come on. I want a White Friday new car. I want a White Friday new car on a Black Friday budget. I got time say. We didn't come here to talk about Thanksgiving. We're getting to our topic of Advent. I do want to acknowledge that we have been reading the news. We know that Omicron is a thing. Omicron people, not Omicron. My undergraduate Greek professor would have a cow if he heard you all saying Omicron. It is Omicron. Omicron is a thing and we are going to talk about that in next week's full-length church announcements episode. More information is coming out day by day and we believe we'll have more information to have an actual conversation about Omicron and how it's going to affect our lives and the ongoing pandemic next week this time. So stay tuned for that. We are not unaware that that's happening. We just want to wait till we have more information. So now that we've caught up a little bit, let's turn our attention to the current liturgical season that the Christian church is celebrating. It's this awkward time right before Christmas that I only learned about in seminary called Advent. 
It's a season of the liturgical year observed in most Christian denominations as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Christ, the birth of Christ, and Christmas. And in many ways, it's also about the second coming of Christ. Did you grow up celebrating Advent, Natasha? No, um, I was aware of Advent growing up, but we didn't um, acknowledge it for many reasons, but it just wasn't really important. Oh. In the way in the way that the the church wanted to present it to us, it was not important in that way. And what denomination were you raised in? Baptist. Free will Baptist. Free will Baptist. That was a black Baptist church then. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so in my in my Christmas in my Christian I keep saying Christmas because in my Christian church like once Thanksgiving was over it was Christmas. Like we always sang now behold the lamb the Sunday immediately following Thanksgiving. Now behold the lamb. And you fall out a little bit. And you knew that it was Christmas then, right? You did the Whitney Houston Everybody say joy, joy, joy yes. to the world yes. for the Lord has come. It wasn't none of this waiting stuff. It was Christmas time. The trees went up and we were celebrating the birth of Jesus. Yeah, one of the things that I remember my grandmother saying, she talked about a lot how we don't remember Mary enough. And she's like, Mary's about to give birth to a baby. She won't, she won't get baby out of her. <laughs> so just thinking about it from a different perspective, right? And thinking about what was going on in Mary's life and Joseph's life around this time, but you know, when Jesus was born. I think that's where our family went in our advent. Just thinking about the real circumstances around the birth of Jesus. I mean, it sounds like you all leaned into an advent rhythm without actually celebrating advent, thinking about expectation of what it means to birth a baby. Like that's an active process. Correct. So like we weren't thinking about the uh, peace and hope and love but just really Mary and Joseph's plight. So Katie, Ms. Harsher brings up an interesting point here, talking about what it means to um, think about Mary, particularly in Advent birthing and that process not being one that might be filled with what is hopeful, peaceful. It's painful. It's stressful on the body. It's stressful to the parent or the parents. Like as someone who presumably grew up celebrating Advent every single year, like a good Presbyterian. And as a mom, how does that come alongside what you know to be Advent? Right, right. I would say things shifted afterwards, right? For me, those that idea of birthing is very, um, very different. We talk about it in fantasy language or something like that. But really, like, you don't talk about how sick you are for nine months and all that. Like, she was riding on the back of a camel, pregnant, right, about to give birth. No, um, that had to be the most uncomfortable. Like, I can't even articulate that. I gave birth with a doula and um, friends and my partner at the time and my mom. Like, I was surrounded by people who could care for me, who knew what they were doing, had either been through it or had studied or, you know, like was trained. And so there were people to guide me in that. And so she's just with Joseph. I don't know, maybe Joseph knew what he was doing, but she didn't have that family around her. Like once I gave birth, the pain scale that they do from one to 10, I don't even know. Like I said, you just blew my pain scale. It's unscalable. It's <laughs> unscalable. But, but, it's active and it's um, 
painful. Mary isn't sitting there on New Year's Eve holding a, a baby while everybody's coming to visit her. Well, they, they were not experiencing peace. They weren't experiencing love. Perhaps there was some hope there. There's always hope at the beginning of someone's life. So I can, and I can see there being hope between the two of them. But there was, I'm, I suspect there would be a lot of fear because they were running for their lives. I'm, I'm sure they didn't feel love and peace. <laughs> and I'm sure they didn't, you know, feel protected. So I, I just think that, again, that is something that those words and concepts are something that were taught. And I think it has an ulterior motive. And what is that motive? I mean, I think I know what it is. And, you know, I got opinions about this for days. We've already talked about this. But, like, what is the motive? I think it's white supremacist ideation. You know, these are words that are tossed around a lot when the system of oppression wants to silence people who are vocal. Can we all have peace? Let's be peaceful. Let's love one another. There's hope. But again, this is not what Mary and Joseph were experiencing while they were running for their lives to save their family. They weren't experiencing those. So how did we get that out of waiting for the birth of Jesus? Where did that come from? Why not words like justice, equity, provision? I mean, he was born with with animals. (laughs) If y'all can see Natasha's face right now, she's really disappointed about these animals. She's like, there's animals. Nobody wants to be born around no animals. Where do we get peace from? He was, she was in full labor, smelling animals. What was she doing? Y'all, y'all, she did a waft. Y'all can't, you see the podcast, y'all can't see it. But she's really in this manger right now. She's really in the nativity, smelling these animals and wafting them. Smelling animals. So Natasha, that makes it even more interesting, right? Natasha clearly don't like these animals. So Katie, does the nativity present us with an image of actual hope? You got all these animals around a baby being born. We're supposed to find some sort of happiness or peace or joy or hope in this image of someone who did not have a place to say, someone that was displaced by the decree of an emperor or an empire birthing a child with some animals. I mean, could, could that have been you? And is that actually an image of hope? Um, you know, as you're asking me these questions, like as a kid or even um, before I uh, encountered the reality of the world, I probably thought that was, you know, it's a sweet little picture. Um, you know, it's the lion laying down with the lamb and and the baby child playing over the adder's den, right? But um, as you ask that question, the feeling that comes up inside me is that it feels more facade-like, right? Like what's really going on? We're not actually seeing the real picture. And maybe that's where I am right now, but it seems too perfect, too tied up in a bow for a teenage mom and, and this really confusing place of God being the father of this child. Like, what in the world does that mean? You know, there's all kinds of stuff, whatever you have a pregnant teenager who's all alone. And a deity who has uh, imposed himself on her and encouraged her to say yes. But that's, <sighs> but we're not doing that. This, that, that was, that's another conversation. Yes. We're not doing that this year. That was last year. But that's, I mean, so this is, so if you if you haven't celebrated Advent before, I've already given you a little bit of background information. Natasha's already shared a little bit more about how each Sunday in Advent, we have this Advent wreath and we are supposed to light candles, the candle of hope, the candle of love, the candle of joy, the candle of peace, and talk about how with the birth of Christ, these things enter the world. 
But we still are in this place we're in, this actual story that we're walking with. The characters within that story, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and them, they did not have peace. When you think about Advent from that perspective, it's, it's actually, when we're talking about lighting an Advent candle of peace or an Advent candle of love, hope, and joy, if you're thinking about where those things aren't present, there is no hope right now. There is no light right now. There is like these things are this, this is darkness. And for whatever light and grace and love and hope Jesus brought into the world, those things are fleeting. How you wait matters. From a seat of power, talking about waiting might have a particular goal, right? Anytime that we hear people in, in protest, we have people who are angry about what's happening in our society, in our world, things that are unjust, all the isms, all the obias. Can't we just all get along? Why can't we just love each other? Why can't we just have peace? Why can't we, like, like what are you hopeful for? And people utilize these words to attempt to, like, like, you've, like you've already said, to stifle the voices of the marginalized and the oppressed when really what we should be doing is saying, in what ways is, is the protest an act of love? Mm-hmm. In the height of the earliest days of the Black Lives Matter movement, in a season where I was really wrestling with my relationship to the church and not feeling God there, not feeling hope, love, peace, or any sort of positive associations with that space, it was Black Lives Matter protests that some people view as threats that actually filled me with hope. It was the mourning and the weeping and the wailing in the streets that said, okay, this is a place where hope is being born. And it's a fleeting moment. But why is it that some people see this and they think, oh God, this is infringing upon my hope and infringing upon my peace? It, it doesn't feel good, right? And we, one of the things we talk about is how um, whiteness likes to be comfortable. And watching people protest and proclaim their right to live in a just environment, in a just world, is discomforting. And so in, in experiencing that and now experience it for an extended amount of time in December, can we just have uh, a Sunday of hope? Can we just can we just be hopeful this Sunday? And how does hope look? Well, like you just said, hope for you is seeing the people out in the street saying Black Lives Matter. Hope for Mary could not have been quiet. And so having to give birth in secret and believe that her child would survive because can we remember why they were fleeing? There was was a a death sentence out for all uh, under two-year-olds. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Uh, Come on, power was ready to kill. So I think there's a a fear, but it's unfounded. And then the other components, peace, joy, and love. These words have been weaponized because we understand when whiteness is asking for peace, joy, love, there is a connotation behind it that it's not existing. But like you just said, when it comes to kind of reclaiming even the day of Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving time, defining it for what it means for your family and for your your place I think that is something that my grandmother was contending with when she was reminding us that Mary wasn't, this is not how hope looked for Mary. It can look different than what whiteness has told us or society has told us it had to look like. Okay, this is a shorter episode today, so let's go put a pin in that right there because, Natasha, that's taking a turn that I think is helpful, but let's do that after a quick break with a few invitations. So let's put a pin in white supremacy. Let's not. <laughs> it's been pinned up there for a long time. We can we can put a pin in, in the dismantling of said ideation. Let's put a pin in that conversation topic and then come back and talk about how we dismantle that ideology. We'll be right back after this. 
Yeah. So today, oh, go ahead, Katie. No, I was just saying, yeah. You know how, like, you know, people say amen? That's what I did. Like, yeah. Okay. That was a white amen? Yeah. 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 A close one, like gobbling up the microphone. Apparently so. <laughs> What's up, good people? It's your favorite podcast host, Brandon. I mean, I'm humble about it, but I know, and you know the truth. Mm. I just stopped by to remind you of something you may already know. Today's episode and every episode of Holy Shit Pod is sponsored by Theolab Media. Theolab is a motley group of creatives embracing more imaginative ways of thinking about spirituality and humanity. To learn more, visit theolabmedia.com. And if you're liking what you're hearing, pay your tithes on all fronts. Head over to patreon.com slash theolabmedia and put a little love in the offering basket as it is passed. And with that, let's get back to dismantling white supremacy. So as we've already said, we didn't have a script today. Don't have a script today. Sam always hates it when I let you all know that, but I don't care. And he's not here today. So as I've already said, we don't have a script today. On today. Today. But I think that we've stumbled on an interesting conversation topic here with Advent. I had no idea that you, Natasha, were thinking similar things about Advent and struggling in some of the same ways that I have been. One, I learned about Advent from white people. This is not something that I learned in my black congregation. I studied religion in undergrad and I was asked to write for the Advent devotional guide. And I was like, wait, you want me to write about Christmas? Like, wait. And I had to learn very quickly what Advent was and write a devotion for other people who apparently had been celebrating it all of their lives. But it was white folks that introduced me to it. <laughs> what you say? Like maybe four or five years ago, my black congregation uh, in which I was raised was celebrating Advent and lighting candles. And I was like, who done went to seminary and came back in and told y'all to be lighting these candles? Somebody sing Now Behold the Lamb right now. Right Stop now. all this. I, I am ready for jingle bells. I am ready for all I want for Christmas is you. It is Christmas time, Charlie Brown, because we did all those songs in church, apparently. So the tension for me is I don't want to make any liturgical season white. But I can't escape from the fact that at least in my particular Black Baptist church, and for the ones that were around me, we never talked about waiting. There was always a sense of urgency. And whenever I've heard Advent talked about, it reeks of white supremacy and it reeks of trying to stifle the voices of the people who need to be speaking. So in the same way that we try to reclaim Thanksgiving and White Friday, <laughs> is there a way for us to reclaim Advent and to shift our thinking so that it's something that's more generative for those who continue to desire to do the work of justice. Yeah, I, I do believe that there is um, something that can be claimed again here. And I think it's in the how we wait. That's part of the concern is someone trying to put on me how I'm supposed to wait. Don't nobody get to tell me how to wait. And, and what I feel like Advent is doing is trying to tell us trying to tell me how I'm supposed to wait for peace. Is it Advent or is it people? It's the power, Brandon. It's all, it's all, it's the same thing. It's that same whiteness that came over here. <laughs> Talking about, give me this land. It's the same, it's that same supremacist, idea, supremacist ideation just trying to tell us how to wait for peace, how to anticipate peace, how to anticipate hope, how to anticipate joy and love. But that is a privilege that this power does not have. And being able to take agent, have our own agency and say, this is how we choose to wait during this time of year. It is, it is absolutely okay. But power doesn't want thinking people 
to think of ways to wait because it might look like protests like you spoke about earlier. It, it might look like signs and protests in the streets. It might look like petitioning governors or local school board leaders or whatever the case may be. It might look like letters to the editor in your local newspaper. It might look like um, asking your clerk of session a question about doing a different type of educational program. That might look, that might be how my waiting looks. It doesn't necessarily look like me lighting a candle and saying a silent prayer. But I'm not saying that that is wrong. I'm just saying, don't try to put that on me. So when you were talking, what I was wondering is, what do we make the nativity look like? Like, what does that symbol look like? What does that picture look like to have an active advent or an active waiting, a justice-seeking waiting? I don't know. I was trying to merge what you were saying about Mary earlier with what you just said now. I mean, I think that it's, to, to me, to have a justice-seeking advent is to take Mary seriously, to take mothering ser- seriously, to take birthing seriously, to take parenting seriously. Any, I mean, I haven't had children, but I've heard people talk about okay. it. <laughs> and I've watched videos in high school. Good night, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, those videos are just like it is. Right? I, I've it's seen like- how the <laughs> process works. <laughs> I mean, I did experience being birthed. I mean, my face kind of like came through there. <laughs> That's how it looked. Um, but I think thinking about how we are embodied is one way to think about it from a justice perspective because I don't want to suggest that the only way to fight for justice or to work for justice is by protesting or going out in the streets. Those things are necessary, but sometimes it's also just an intentionality about your everyday actions. The choices that you make on a Black or a White Friday, depending on what you want to call it, you could support Black-owned businesses on Black Friday and ensure that you, for every discount you might get, you might spend an extra two or three dollars so to make sure that you're not depriving people of the income they need to help their businesses flourish. That was an ADHD thought. Coming back to the main point, being pregnant, as you've already testified, Katie, that's rough. You're waiting and you're in pain and your body is changing. I mean, and, and, and mental health. So there's not enough people talking about the mental health of women experiencing pregnancy and how your body, your mind, your spirit, everything about you is changing. And then when you have the child, oh my God, don't let them start talking. Don't let them start pooping in their diapers. Don't let them start peeing when you're trying to change their diapers. And if it's a child with a penis, that little stream going into their mouth while you sit there trying to change their diapers. Like, it's a mess. And it's not pretty. And so even as you're, so as you're waiting for hope to enter the world, and that's an embodied process that's nasty, it's messy. There's poop in their shit. There's headaches. And then once you do the birthing, there's postpartum. Big time. And Mary didn't have nowhere to live. What? And she was with the animals. She had to do all that and, and didn't, ha- you know how when you have kids, you're like, gonna have to sanitize everything. Like, where's she gonna cook? She's like cleaning stuff in the same trough that the animals are drinking out of. I know that one of the things that if you have never learned that you do not have control in the world, pregnancy and especially childbirth will do that for you because you have no idea when it's gonna come. You don't, when you're going through contractions, you have no idea. You're Something beyond you takes over. Brandon, one of the things points you made very before we got deep into this is you said, take Mary seriously. When you ask, how can we, how can Advent look different? You said, take Mary seriously. In the church that I used to pastor, we had a Magnificat Sunday where we took one Sunday out of Advent and we only talked about Mary. We didn't even have a sermon. We had embodied expressions of art so that we could all take our bodies seriously in that service and the many ways that we're gifted to create beauty in the world. What if you did that for the entirety of Advent this year as opposed to one Sunday? 
Walk with Mary through Advent. Let your Advent be embodied and see what that does to the flavor of your hope. See what it does for the taste of your joy. (laughs) We like to leave you with something actionable at the end of every episode. And so considering all that we have said, what are our invitations for listeners to live life more abundantly? Hostess with the mostess, I think you've already given a very robust invitation to all of us. And that's just to remember Mary to to not just don't toss her this Advent. So remember her through Advent and try to put ourselves in her shoes, like really do it. And see how that changes. Like, imagine yourself as her. Uh, or imagine the closest person in your life who would be her. For some of us, it is your your daughter, your niece, your next door neighbor, a student in your classroom, a receptionist on your job, a member of your congregation. Imagine the closest person to you. If you have issues with imagination, put somebody in that place that fits the description of Mary and journey through Advent with with that image at the forefront of your mind. Mary wants exactly for her child what you want for your child. And in addition to thinking about Mary, I think about the fact that for some people who are embodied as men, cisgendered men, that still might be hard it still may not create the type of empathy that we're after with that invitation. I mean, I think about all the episodes of like Full House, which is trash, um, the Cosby show, where men were the funny episodes where they were like supposed to be pregnant. And I think about being in high school in the home ec class because we still had home ec when I was growing up. I know the children don't do that anymore, but the men had to wear the empathy belly. And like, not even that can create the type of empathy that I think we're after. Because until you've actually done it for nine to 10 months, it's hard to empathize with Mary and to make her a part of your Advent journey and your daily journey. I don't have a parallel to offer to those who have that much distance, but I guess I would say what you could do as a man, as a cisgender man, if you want to take this journey, is think about the expectations you have of those women in your lives. And think about how your life would, and and it's going to take some time because you're not even aware of those expectations nine times out of 10 because you're socialized to expect it. But take the time to write it down, to talk about it with your partner. Think about how your life would change if those same expectations were now placed on you. And if you'd be willing to do it. That's an invitation to the man. That's just a tag on to you, Natasha. What you got for us, Karen? Well, while y'all were talking, I was really connecting with the loneliness, right? The The like. Mary was alone. She's been given this task. If if we're going to believe that she was given this task by God, the Holy Spirit, you know, like she's carrying God within her. She is kind of ostracized by her community. She is on a travel to uh, Bethlehem and she's in this, you know, stable by herself and Joseph and the animals. Like the depth of that loneliness, um, when you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, I think beyond pregnancy, um, I think people can tap into that. Like for me, it's that imagination to connect with the people that bring you life. So it's, um, it's the imagining, but we don't need to sit, spend that whole time in loneliness, but also connect that with the people around you who hold you. I don't know if I have anything else to add other than 
I invite you to consider changing the name of Black Friday to White Friday. I like what Katie said because it takes us back to the beginning. But what I said also does. <laughs> About how we're reclaiming Thanksgiving. See there, and White Friday. And, and, <laughs> and looking at it as a time for us to be with our families. White Friday. Those of us who... White Friday. Would be. White Friday. Not joining this parade. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another service here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. And we love hearing from you. We do. We do. We most certainly do. So please send us an email to holyshit at theolabmedia.com to let us know what you're thinking and what you'd like us to discuss in the future. All questions and all comments are all welcome. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. As Sam likes to say, five stars only. But really, tell us what you're thinking and let other people know about what you're listening to and what you like about the Holy Shit Pod. And don't forget, you can show us your love over at patreon.com slash Media by putting a little love offering in the basket as it's passed. All right, good people. We'll see you next week. Until then. Peace. peace.